Thanks for tuning in to Portico's online campus. During this season when so much of life has been altered, our online campus is still a great way for us to gather together as a church. Remember, the church is not a building, the church is people. So as you watch, I'd encourage you to fully participate in the worship just as you normally would. Stand and sing with us. Sign in and join the discussion with our online campus chat hosts. And let the word of God remind your heart that through all of this, he is still in control, he has not forgotten us, and he will continue to do great things in our lives and communities as we let him lead us. So sign in, grab your Bibles, and get ready to join Portico Online. Well, thank you, George, and thank you for joining us here at Portico Online, and you're always more than welcome to join us on a Wednesday evening in this season. We are recording our, our services, so you can, uh, have, you can stream at 8.40, 10, 10, and 11.40, so thanks for joining online. Thanks for joining us here in the room, and we're into a new series called Redo, and we're looking at how we redo our faith. We're getting a second chance at, at looking at some of the basic elements of our faith and how we understand God and how we understand discipleship in this season. Now, when you picture God, what do you see? What's the image that comes to your mind? Is it, is it the classic Catholic understanding of Jesus, maybe the stained glass windows in some of our Catholic or Anglican churches? Or is it more, do you get that understanding of the cartoon Jesus that we would see sometimes with the cartoon God, maybe with the long flowing white robes? Do you see somebody that looks more like a human? Or do you see somebody that is a spirit? What, what comes to your mind when I say the word God to you? Just want you to get that image in your mind. Each of us has a perspective or an understanding of who God is. And it's been developed over the years. It doesn't matter if you're a believer in God or a follower of Jesus or not. When I say God, you get a picture or some kind of understanding in your mind. And it's been developed for cultural reasons. It's been developed for you know, the, the teaching that you've had from the Bible or from otherwise. It's been developed just in what, in what society would say. But what we want to do in this service today is challenge all of our mindsets and understanding of who God is, and maybe have a second chance to let God define himself for us out of his word. Because we have been interacting, or we have been, um, we have been worshiping, or we have been praying to, or we've been considering a version of God that has developed through our own experiences. If you grew up in a culture where there was multiple gods in the, in the common understanding of the, of the uh, community of, of gods, and then you come to Christ, and you come to Christianity, and you, and you hear that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, then you may have an understanding, well, God is three, and there's, and there's multiple forms of God, and that may be your understanding. Just like to share with you, that's actually a common heresy that's within the Christian tradition, and don't worry, we're going to fix that tonight, if that's your understanding, and we're going we're gonna to get into that, but it's called Trinitarianism. That's not actually how God defines himself. God defines himself as one. Or maybe you were influenced by maybe uh, uh, Catholic roots. We know that uh, Catholicism is the largest, uh, the largest group and teaching of, of Christianity over the years and over, over the centuries. And there's an understanding in Catholicism that although God is present, God is distant. And he interacts with us through a mediator or we can pray to different saints. And also that is 
that's a, that's a tradition that we want to speak to today. And what that does is remove the work of Jesus. And it's not a true understanding of how God defined himself to us and revealed himself to us through the scriptures. And if you're newer to faith, well, maybe you wouldn't really be able to say, this is how I would define God. I know that God is a being. I know that God is some kind of power in our, in our midst, but I've never really been able to articulate or land on an understanding of who God is. And that's what we're going to do today is let God define himself. We're going to put aside our understanding of who God is, and I would challenge you to do that. Just however you've understood God, lay that aside today, and let's go right to the scriptures and let God define himself for us. Because God has all kinds of meanings and uses in our society today in Canada 2020. We use God as a way of expressing big emotion. People will say, oh my God, and, and we'll hear that, and it's just kind of thrown around. Or God can be described as the God that the Christians would worship, or the God that the Muslims would worship, or the God that the Hindus would worship. It would be all kinds of God. It's, it's kind of on equal playing field. If we go back to the Old Testament, the Jews wouldn't even speak the name God. Their word for God was Yahweh. And they wouldn't even speak his name because of how holy they understood God to be. So they used different words. They used the words Elohim or Adonai, which meant Lord. And it was a way for them to not use the name of God. We've encouraged people in this series to get into the book by Francis Chan called Crazy Love, or you can um, get into our Right Now Media um, curriculum. You can sign up and be a Right Now Media subscriber. And there's some video teaching series that Francis Chan did out of his book, Crazy Love. And he makes this statement that you can't exaggerate God enough. Even if you tried, all the words that you could use could not accurately describe God because of how amazing, because of the grandeur of who God is. And if the God that you and I have been understanding and interacting with is a mix of scripture, but also a mix of our understanding and a mix of our culture and a mix of our experience, then we know that it's a worthwhile endeavor to go through the process of re-envisioning God. And that's the title of our sermon and talk today, is that we're going to re-envision God. Because none of us is getting it totally right. And today's our chance to let God speak to us instead of having us define God for ourselves. And as we go through the course of this message or this series over the course of the summer, we've got a new memory verse for everyone. And this is the last week that I'm going to say it out for you. Then you're going to have to say it back to me, okay, everyone? We're in Lamentations 3 and 40, and I don't even think the words are on the screen. So you, maybe, maybe you're already there and you're like A-level or level four churchgoers with your memory verse. It's Lamentations. Let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. So next week, I'm not saying that. Next week, you're just belting that out, okay? <laughs> Let's take a good look at the way that we're living and reorder our lives under God. And that's what we're doing in this series, and that's the memory verse that we want to get into our hearts and into our souls. And also, over the course of this series, we're offering a free ebook to you. It's a book that I actually wrote a number of years ago called Resiliency, and it's teaching a deflated ball to bounce back. But what it looks at is if, if you have experience failure, or you've gotten to a place where everything's been leveled, that's actually the greatest moment in your life to experience success and let yourself be taught by it. So you can go to portico.cc slash updates, and you can download a free copy of that ebook over the course of our series. And for anyone, if you join us for our online recording, there's always a freebie that's coming your way. So there you go, Mary Lou. You can have, you, you, there's, there's a freebie for you. 
But I encourage you to read that. I encourage you to read Francis Chan and journey with us all summer long as we look at redo and re-understanding how, how we imagine God and how we understand discipleship. So I have a few thoughts for you in our service. And we're going to re- rebuild our understanding of who God is, which actually makes this first thought difficult because uh, our, our first point, if you're taking notes, is that God's nature is incomprehensible. Now, how can you understand God if his nature is incomprehensible or not understandable? One of the greatest challenges that we have with the words and images that we use to try to define and describe God is that it's, he's not comprehensible to us. It's a futile journey for us to understand God. And for the tangible, literal people, whether you're in the room with me here or whether you're in the chat, chat room this morning, just give a shout out. Are you a literal person? Say, yep, I'm a literal person. That's me. Concepts are hard, but I like, I like literal things. This is going to be a difficult week for you because we're not going to be talking about definitions and tangible things. We're going to be talking about concepts more than we're giving answers because God's nature actually is incomprehensible to us. And if you think that you can get God in 35 minutes in a message or you can get God in 35 years, well, then you probably don't really get God (laughs) because who he is is incomprehensible. The beginning of the Bible, there's this creation story, and God tells us that he made us in his image. And sometimes we get it reversed, and we begin to make God in our image, and we think, if this is the way I act and this is the way I am, then God must be like me because I was made in his image. But that's not what it says. God made us in his image, so we have some of the attributes of him, but he doesn't have all of the attributes of us. And God is not governed by the same rules of time and space that we are. And God, God exists outside of time and space. In fact, before creation, God still existed because he was the one that made creation. And he put definitions on time for us because it's helpful for us. And we needed to have this feeling of, well, there has to be a beginning. But with God, there is no beginning and there is no end. So creation and the beginning of time is actually for us. And then he put the cycles of days and seasons and years so that we can count time. But those those are helps for us and aids for us. They're not actually things that God is defined and constrained by. And when you consider the universe that God created, the universe that is ever expanding, the vastness of the expanse that God created, he's the creator of it all, not us. But they were created so that we would be aided in our understanding of who God is. I want to take you to the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 20. Here's what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. For ever since the world was created, people have seen earth and sky. And here's the highlight. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. And when we look to the sky, that's when we begin to understand God. This is, this is Paul. And the book of Romans, if you're just new to the journey of faith or if you're curious about faith, I'd encourage you to start in the book of Romans. It's got foundational teaching of what it means to be a believer, what it means to be a follower, and, and understand the gift of salvation that Jesus offers us. And he starts right off in chapter 1 saying, if you want to know who God is, you can see him in all of the things that he created. But there's that, there's that phrase in there that he has invisible qualities. 
there's pieces of his nature that we actually can't see. And through the earth and the skies, we begin to understand it, but we really can't see it all. And we have no excuse for not knowing God if we would look up, but fully comprehending him is a different story. David agreed with this when he wrote the psalm, Psalms 19, verses 1 and 4. It's in your notes. It's on the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. You can see all of your notes there this morning. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the entire earth, and their words to all the world. The stars speak without saying a word about God's incomprehensible nature. You know, God did the same thing when he was trying to introduce himself to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I want you to know who I am and I want you to know the size of the blessing that I have for you. And I don't know if you remember the story in Genesis, but he took Abraham out one night and he said, Abraham, just look up at the stars. Just close your eyes for a minute as you, wherever you're participating in the service and just picture a starry night, not in the city, get out of the city, go out somewhere to the, to the country where there's no city lights and you've turned your car headlights off and you're looking out and you just, you see all the stars. And God wanted Abraham to know that that's the blessing that he was about to pour out on him. That's the size of the love that God has. When the skies go dark tonight, I'd encourage you to do the same thing. Just go out and begin to count. See how far you get. See if you can get to 100, 200, 300, how many stars that you can see and begin just to be awed by the magnitude of who God is. And then remind yourself that what you see in our night sky is just a drop in the bucket of what God's created in our universe. You know, a couple years ago, Google Earth made a very spiritual video, which they probably didn't know was a spiritual video, but it was designed to demonstrate how vast the universe is compared with how intricate humanity is designed right down to our, to our DNA and to our molecules. And I want to show you this video, but I want you to watch it with the lens of understanding that this is how detailed, yet this is how vast our incomprehensible God is.
unbelievable that we think we understand God <laughs> when you leave that in your perspective. Our goal is never to comprehend God. Our goal should be to be wowed by God. That's the size of our God who is ever creating, yet still wants to have relationship with us. And if his nature is incomprehensible, let me share with you a second thought today is that God's character is indescribable. If we can't understand even the nature of who God is, what's more unbelievable is that who he is is indescribable. The Bibles that we have, that you probably have in front of you right now, it's full of poems, prophets, and theological teaching, all aimed at helping us build a narrative of who God is and how he works. And the language ranges from metaphors and symbolism to try to compare God to different, different beings or different ways or different functions in our world. There's allegorical stories that teach about God is like and the kingdom of heaven is like, and it goes right down to theological teaching. Yet even all together, when you put it all together, it doesn't describe all of God's character. What's your go-to expression or your go-to prayer when you're saying, I I'm going I'm to describe God this way or I'm going to pray God this way? Because the kinds of prayers that you and I will pray will probably be centered around the kind of understanding that we have of God's nature and God's character. And when somebody is sick, do we pray that, God, you are the healer? Or God, you are the one that brings peace when there is no healing. What, what kind of prayer do you pray? It probably frames your understanding of God's character. Are you the one that provides, God, would you provide for my basic needs? Or God, would you bless me so richly that I could go be a blessing to others with the way that you have blessed me? The way that you pray probably reveals something about your understanding of how God operates. Do you address him as Abba Father, Daddy? Do you address him as Lord, most holy God? The amazing thing is God is all of those and more. And that's difficult for our minds to understand because in our minds, something can't be both. Can't be daddy and holy. He can't be the healer and the one that brings peace when there is no healing. Look at this image that we have of the names of God that just shows the dichotomy of who God is. He's merciful yet he's the holy judge. How can that be? That's God. He is our maker and he is our sustainer. So was he involved at a distance or is he involved day by day? He's both. Is he holy that we can't approach him or is he forgiving so that we can come right into his throne room? He's both. And that's the incomprehensible, ununderstandable character and nature of who God is. And when, when we sit down to describe God to somebody, somebody, inevitably we fall short because of the diversity of who God is. Remember, remember Moses. Let's go back to the book of Exodus. And God was speaking directly to Moses. And he said, Moses, I have a plan for you. Moses, I want you to lead my people. I want you to go to Pharaoh. And Moses had the question that many of us have. God, who are you? Who should I say sent me? Because they would have had this vast diversity in their understanding of who God is. Was God kind of like the pluralism that they experienced in Egypt, where there was the sun God and the moon God? Or was God the one that separated Lot and Abraham? Or was God the one that rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah? Or was he the faithful one that, that sustained Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Joseph? W who is God? They would have had this 
dichotomy in their understanding. So Moses asked the question, Exodus 3, verses 14 and 15. Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I say to them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Now that phrase, I am that I am, it's, we call it the tetragrammatron. And this is where we get the word Yahweh. It literally means four letters. And in Hebrew, it's Y-H-W-H. They didn't use the vowels. But it means I will be what I will be. He's the God that brings being into being. And the very word is hard to describe, but it has tones of an eternal God, of existence, of always existing. And this is, this is how God reveals himself to his people. I am that I am. I am the being that brings being into being. How quick are we to give God the character that we feel he should have? We'll say, God's character is such that a good God would not allow sickness, because that's what I would not allow if I was God. God wants to bless each one of us with these certain material blessings, because that's what I determine good to be. God would never allow evil to exist. God wants us to stand in the face of injustice and call righteousness. Do you realize how often we insert personal preference into the equation of how we understand God and who we understand him to be and how we would expect his character to be? And even in choosing those four simple examples, I struggle to say, what's my bias that I'm putting into that I wouldn't want to project onto God? Lord, help me to never have the audacity to assume that I fully comprehend all of your character and never act and never speak unless it represents you well. Our danger is that we would say, since I feel this way, then God must feel this way. And in that way, we are creating God in our image as opposed to being created in his image. And what's ironic is that when Moses said, can you just give me a name? Can you introduce yourself to me so I will know how to describe you to other people? And when he says, I am that I am, I'm the being that gives being, that's not really a helpful introduction. I don't, I don't know if that helped you in your understanding of who God is and made it more definite. It probably just made it more vast, but that is the God that we serve. And it's not for us to nail it down into a box that we understand. It's for us to be wowed by him because you and I were not designed to comprehend God. We were designed to trust God. And we have to trust that he's in control and trust that he's good and trust his character. Over the last number of weeks, we've been reading Hebrews. If you've been following in our Life Journal reading, and if you're not participating in our Life Journal reading, go over to portico.cc slash updates and make sure you're participating. We read through the entire Bible in a year, and we have um, different ones who are friends, and you can see who's reading and give updates, and we share notes. It's a way as a church that we participate in our Bible reading, and it's a way that we stay on mission, even though we're disconnected because we're all in different homes and different regions and different times of meeting. We're still connected by reading the Bible together, and we've been reading the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews has just in the last couple of days been describing people who trusted God without knowing him, and that was their demonstration of faith. And he was a God that did miracles 
that um, even, though, even though they weren't certain of them, uh, he, he begins to speak to Moses that Moses trusted that God would do miracles and Moses had to trust that God would lead the people into the wilderness, into a place that God really hadn't revealed to Moses yes, but, yet, but Moses had to be faithful. And here's what we get in Hebrews 11 and 27. It's in your notes. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. And here's the key phrase. He kept on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Now, again, that's a sentence that doesn't make a lot of sense. How do you keep your eyes on the one that is invisible? That's what it is to walk with God, to keep your eyes fixed on the one that is invisible. And if you do it long enough, you'll understand that it means listening to his voice, listening to his spirit, and closing your eyes from what you can see and beginning to trust only what God can see, and you will know. Hard to define, impossible to comprehend, but that's the basis of our understanding with God. It's about trust, not knowledge. The same voice told Abraham centuries before or generations before. He told a 90-year-old Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Abraham said, you know, God, I actually don't have any children. (laughs) How is that going to happen? I don't know how this is going to happen. And Abraham took matters into his own hands because he needed to know instead of relying on just trusting God and that God will be who he said he was. And, And finally, Abraham has a child and he has his only son. And then God says, you know, I want you to take your son and sacrifice him, a human sacrifice up on that mountain. Could you even imagine what would have gone through Abraham's mind? but he kept his eyes on the invisible. That's a relationship with God. Keep your eyes on the invisible. And in that moment when Abraham demonstrated his faith by keeping on going is when God was faithful and provided a different sacrifice. He's the same God that chose the savior of the world to be born in a scandal of infidelity in a region of Israel that was remote and despised. This king that he had sent was tried as a heretic. And when he rose again, remember one of his last teachings to his disciples, when Thomas was having trouble believing that this actually was God, because this isn't the way that Thomas felt God would act, if we, if we really boil it down. Thomas felt that that's not God. And he, he needed to see the nail markings in Jesus' hands. And what did Jesus say to Thomas? He, You believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. That's the world we live in right now. Do you believe and trust in a God that is invisible that you can't fully comprehend or understand? There's an old hymn that says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Man, do we need that right now. Do you know what most of us would describe to be happy in Jesus and confident in God? Would be control and freedom. If I have control and I can do it in my way, then I'll be happy in Jesus, not trust and obey. I didn't even know that that was going to rhyme, but it did just like that. (laughs) Don't try to control God. Be wowed by God. Trust in that kind of God. So how do you get to know a God that is invisible? 
It's a good question. <laughs> How do you get to know a God that is unknowable and unexplainable? It brings us to our final thought today is that God is revealed through the incarnation. If his nature is incomprehensible and his character is undefinable, he is revealed in the incarnation. And the incarnation is a theological word that we use for God becoming human, Jesus, God present on earth. Remember, not three different gods, but one God present on earth with us in the form of a human being. Because we could never totally understand him, he became one of us to demonstrate how God actually would live so that we don't have to define it. Watch the life of Jesus and it will define who God is and how he would act. Paul wrote to the Colossian church, Colossians 1, 15 and 16, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. There's that word again, the invisible nature of God, but Christ became the visible image. Jesus came to correct our misunderstandings and the image of God that Israel had had up to that moment was a king that would come and in the day, that Jesus, the day and age that Jesus came in, Rome was the controlling force and Rome was cruel and Rome was immoral and Rome was conceited and in our day we should say Rome should be canceled and the Jews had convinced themselves that God would never allow Rome to continue but Jesus came and he did. He did allow Rome to continue, and in fact, in moments, he submitted to Rome. And they were convinced that God would come and punish the sinful and promote the pious, but Jesus defended the prostitute and took care of the poor. And if you want to understand the nature of God, read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, some of the unquestionable, most difficult teaching. We, we just read them as little stories. That God knows the number of hairs on your head, and if um, turn the other cheek. We read them as little stories, but I want you to, if, if you really want to understand God's nature, look at it as some of the most counter-cultural, counter-understanding teachings to the way that our world functions. If people hate you, Love them, are the words of Jesus. The little mistakes that we make when we lose our temper and we get angry are actually on par and make us as guilty of a sin like, like murder. If you are wronged, don't fight back, but allow that person to wrong you a, a second time. Don't even worry about your life, for God will take care of it. That's the nature of God. That's who God was revealing to us. And if you want to know God's voice in any day and age, but certainly in our day and age, spend some time reading the gospel, specifically read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and understand God's nature. We get to the book of John, and Jesus says in John 14 and 7, if you had really known me, then you would know who my father is. <laughs> if you know me, then you know the father. The invisible God is revealed to us in Jesus. And what was revealed was matchless forgiveness, whether it was deserved or not deserved. And that's the God that I am regularly wowed by. That's the God that I put my confidence in and my trust in. And that's the God that I can't comprehend. But that's him. That's the re-envision, the redo of God we're looking at in this season. Job was a man who had every reason to question God and hate God, but he actually understood it, that his place was not to question, but to trust, 
and be wowed that God would actually give attention to his story. We read in Job 7 and 17, what is mankind that you think so much of them and that you give them so much attention? David would write it in Psalms. It's in your notes. What is mankind that you are mindful of them and and human beings that you care for them? I want to invite you to re-envision God today. Maybe you've been a church attender for many years. You've been a follower of Jesus for many years. I want to invite you, Pastor Doug said it last week, I want to invite you into a discipleship moment. This isn't about just being a follower or a church attender. This is about being a disciple. Saying, Lord, when the word, <laughs> when the word brings me beyond my understanding and what's comfortable or what's been familiar, I will follow. Even though the path is narrow and others fall away, I will, I will take you at your word. And if that's who you say you are, I will let you define you. And I will not have to have the knowledge and the understanding. I will trust and I will be wowed. And it will require a step of faith. Maybe you're new to the journey. You've been watching with us online for weeks or months here during this season. I'm going to invite you to take a significant step of faith in saying, I don't fully get it, but I want to be a disciple. I want to be someone that knows God and follows God and begins this path of understanding and being wowed by him. And I believe that God came in the form of Jesus so that we could have relationships, so that a distant God would come close and, and that he would make a way for relationship. And if you're making that choice, I'd encourage you to click on the button in our online, in our Portico online room there that says, I said yes, or you can open another window and it's just portico.cc backslash yes. And just let us know that you're making that decision. The reason why, we want to help you take the next steps. We have a course that we want to um, make available to you and just somebody to connect with you and pray with you and celebrate the decision you're making. And it's not somebody that has all the answers. It's just somebody that wants to join with you and partner with you. God made a way for us to know him. And the way that we would know him is trusting in Jesus beyond ourself. So as we close today, I want to go back to Romans 1 and 20. It was the first part in your notes. And it says that ever since the world was created, you've seen the earth and the sky through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. And then Paul ends with this sentence. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Today, wherever you are, you have no excuse for not knowing God. You see his majesty in creation. He sent his spirit so that you could trust when he's invisible. He sent his son so that the invisible became visible. We're going to end this morning with a song that says, if all creation worships, the, the, the heavens and the rocks and the hills, if they all worship, then so will I. Will you join with me as we respond today? in all creation as we worship the incomprehensible, unknowing, invisible, yet present with us God. Thanks again for joining with us in today's service. If you would like someone to follow up with you for prayer, please let us know by filling out a prayer request at portico.cc prayer. And please remember to continue giving to the ministry. Even though we can't meet in person, we are still a church that is meeting both the physical and spiritual needs of our community. You can give today by clicking the donate button on the top right hand side of your screen or by going to portico.cc donate. 
All the latest updates of where and how the church is meeting during this season can be found at portico.cc COVID-19. And you can always stay up to date by downloading our church app on the Google Play or iTunes store. Thanks for worshiping with us today, and we hope to see you again next week.